The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this Monday afternoon. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Open like a sports leader. College football is officially here. Week zero is upon us. We are 13 days away from Auburn getting started on the football field, but week zero is here. We have college football this Saturday. Carter, welcome in. How was your weekend, my man? It was good. You know, I got to I got to go back to Birmingham and kind of get things prepped for the uh, the full move back to Auburn that I'm going to be doing this uh, weekend on our our off weekend from 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 Lee Scott, which couldn't come at a better time for me. Right. Well, yeah, we have our, our bye week in the second week of the season. Auburn High has their bye week this week, too. I'm not really That's sure. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not really sure what's going on with that. It feels kind of weird to be off. But, uh, yeah, it, it's a good week to be off coming off the first week of games. Of course, we have week zero for college football coming up. Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt plays Hawaii. Your boys, Northwestern, they play over in Ireland on Saturday. We've got a lot of football to talk about coming up this week. But what everybody wants to talk about is the scrimmage that happened on Friday for Auburn football and then open practice on Saturday. Phone lines are open 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to us. Call in, be a part of the show, be on the line. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Well, Carter... Lots of news coming out of the scrimmage on Friday. Of course, it was uh, going on during the the latter part of our show on Friday. And then as we were going off the air, it was still happening. And we heard from the coordinators on Friday. Mm -hmm. We heard from Brian Harson on Saturday. And it seems like this quarterback battle has started to separate itself a little bit. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. You, You have Zach Calzada is definitely riding third. Uh, as a safe third too uh tj's clearly out front it sounds like because although robbie may have had his best day throwing the ball on best days friday and saturday it still sounds like tj has maintained his lead there uh and then of course it doesn't help when you have brian harson on saturday mention that uh you have holden gurner Look the best of all the quarterbacks just to throw that wrench out there into the 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 equation, which is always different and 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 new when you have heard he's not even in the competition to this point. Um, but and then it doesn't help when Calzada on Saturday throws what's what's been described as a shockingly bad interception. Um, that it's just things like that keep building for him that are setting him farther and farther back, and then. The not having confidence in running the procedural aspects of the offense, lining up correctly, things like that. And you even see reports that he's just not 
the way that he's operating the offense, he doesn't have the same confidence that the other two have, which appears to be the difference really between between these three guys right now is the two guys who are when they are up there behind center they are confident in what they're doing they're the two that are still in this race calzada is not he's not in the race anymore in my mind at least so why is it in your opinion that zach calzada isn't confident is it the injury that he's coming off of on his non-throwing shoulder is it not going through spring practice and having the same amount of time has he just had his confidence shaken being thrown into a new system i mean what's going on with this guy why can't he what why can't he be what everybody thought he was going to be i'm not saying that he can't be or he won't be but as of right now zach calzada is not what auburn fans and what auburn coaches thought he was going to be when he stepped on campus yeah I think he can be everything that was expected of him but I think missing the spring not getting those live reps and then walking into the fall where all the eyes are on you at practice because everybody expects you to be this guy that's going to go seize the opportunity and it sounds like to me from everything I've read and been able to gather that it's it's the procedural things that have gone wrong. It seems like it's rattled him and it's snowballed from there. And, and and that's where why we are where we are right now. That's why he's running third. And I mean, you really don't you don't hear anything that would suggest that he's closing ga- ground on Robbie Ashford, much less TJ Finley. So I think he is a comfortable third place right now. Could could once the season progresses once games are getting played, once he continues to get reps and get more familiar in the offense, could he start to close that gap up and and become the guy that that it seems like this staff wanted him to be? Like all of the Auburn fans, we know they want him to be. Sure, but right now he's just not there. It, he it, it seems like he's been rattled to start this camp, and it just he hasn't gotten back on track. He hasn't gotten the ship right. Well, when we got the word last week, I think it was that the order was TJ Finley, Robbie Ashford, and Zach Calzada. A lot of us were hesitant, myself included. We were hesitant to believe that and hesitant to to, to really just take that in because we expected Zach Calzada to be more at this point in the season. And nobody really expected TJ Finley to actually win the starting quarterback job. Not because we don't like him or not because he's not good, but when you... When you look at last year versus what Auburn thought they were bringing in this year, you just thought this was Zach Calzada's job to lose. Sure, TJ Finley came into the offseason with being QB1 just because of he was the one that finished it out last year and he's the guy returning from last year, but nobody really truly thought TJ Finley was going to win this starting quarterback job. And so let me ask you this before we head to the phone lines is in this situation did t and there's no starter has been named but it just seems that that's going to be the direction this thing goes in the next couple of days possibly even tomorrow yeah i, I is feel it, it seems that tomorrow is going to be the yes day. tomorrow seems like it's the day and we're gonna find out has tj finley won this quarterback battle or did the other two guys just not win it? I mean, that's that's really the, the question right now. Did TJ Finley beat the other guys? Or did the other guys just not beat TJ Finley? I think it's... A, okay, I think there's, there's layers to this. Right, I yeah, think, 100%. I think Robbie Ashford went from what should have been a distant third and has clawed his way into the competition. 
and you need to credit that. But between Calzada and Finley, I think it's a combination of both of those things that, that you just asked. I think uh, TJ is more confident. I think he's more comfortable. I think he's doing a better job leading the offense in terms of all of the the getting everybody lined up, making sure you're making the right checks, making sure you're making the right pre-snap reads. I bet you he's doing that really well, and that is what's separating him. And then when you expected Calzada, like, it's separating him some. When you expected Calzada to come in and seize it, he clearly just has not seized it at all. So I think it's a combination of both of those things that are resulting in TJ Finley being the out front leader in this quarterback race. Let's head to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Ed, you're on line one. Welcome in. Ed, can you hear us? Hello? Hey, yeah, we got you, Ed. Hey, I thought you said Matt. I'm sorry. No, you're uh, good. Yeah, you know, we talked a little bit about this quarterback thing last week, you know, and, uh, you know, I was a little upset about, you know, not y'all, but somebody else had kind of made a really, you know, way out there that they shouldn't have said what they said. Mm-hmm. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, we kind of – I, I kind of mentioned that the, the, one of the adages, you know, of when you have three quarterbacks, you don't have any, but uh, – well, I wanted to ask y'all, and this this is, I mean, really, really, really deep serious about Auburn. Uh, and, and it's, uh, as far as quarterback play, all right, I listen to national, I, I, you know, I'm an old man to y'all, and I've been watching and listening to how you have to instill confidence in a quarterback, how you have to get, you know, uh, some, some rhythm and, and some, you know, some, um, legitimacy to your offense, but confidence in every. Right now, there is no way that any quarterback at Auburn has much confidence that the coaching staff has confidence in them. And I want to probably the thing, uh, this is probably, and I, I really want your opinion on this, probably the most damning thing I've ever heard to come out from a coach at this time of the year in his second year. Now, Carson is not a new coach anymore. This is something that maybe you say in spring practice your first year, that, hey, we don't even know how to get 10 or 11 men. Uh, he, he didn't even know 10 or 12, you know, first. He he, he pretty much said that we don't, we don't even know how to function at, like a high school team. We don't know how to come off the sideline when it's fourth and, and, and goal, and our players don't know that they have to look back to the sideline. We don't know how to line up. We don't know how to come to meetings. We don't know how – what does all that we don't know point to to you? What is lacking there in your opinion? Yeah, Ed, you know, there's certain things where – and we appreciate the call, Ed. Look, when it comes to – to some of those technical things that Auburn may or may not have have figured out yet, that's not a good sign, and that's not what you want to hear from your from your head coach. It's not what you want to see from your team, and those are the things you got to get fixed. But look, I mean, when when you talk about the confidence in quarterbacks, sure, it is hard when you're a quarterback who when there's two or three other guys in the race at the same time. It's hard to have confidence when nobody knows who the starter is going to be. But when you talk about some of the technical stuff, um, look, it's it, 
it is worrisome if that is the case. I would like to see uh, if that is the case. And I think it comes down to being on the field and, and what happens on the field. Wouldn't you agree, Carter? Yeah, no, I think that the this, as far as confidence in these quarterbacks, for sure, if I'm TJ Finley and they bring in three new quarterbacks, that's not good for my confidence. Granted, maybe maybe it was the, the, the kick in the pants that he needed to to really put forth all the effort to to buy all the way in to it make that improvement necessary to win this job. Now, if he gets named the the unquestioned starter on Tuesday, um, I think that you have to be a little bit confident if you're T.J. Finley to how to what degree you don't know because you you saw last year against Georgia State when things got stagnant with Bo Nix. They went a different way, and like you've seen it happen already in, in your time right. at Auburn. I do think that there has to be a little bit of. I I 100 agree that there's it's an interesting time right now to be a quarterback at Auburn because how much confidence do all these guys have in you? Because clearly, that based on whatever all these coaches have said in the media, the confidence is not there in in Calzada and then Keysaw, <laughs> which you don't love to hear. On Friday, he said. Robbie Ashford is finally starting to play the position of quarterback, which to me, for him to be in the final two in this quarterback race, to me that says he's finally sitting in the pocket, he's going through his reads, he's going through his progressions. I would like to have heard that before Friday. Before we're 13 <laughs> days away or two weeks out or whatever. But to, to kind of address a little bit more of what Ed was saying, and Ed, we do appreciate the call, talking about some of the, again, some of the basic things that may or may not be going on right now with Auburn. If you're having trouble running on and off the field and getting set for plays and stuff like that and you're 13 days away, there's that's absolutely a major worry. And like oh, yeah. Ed said, Hartson's not a new coach. This is not his first year as a head football coach. It is his second year with Auburn, but this isn't his first year as a head football coach. So those are some of the things that you want to avoid. But focus and mental errors. Thing. Exactly, yes. But what is important is you do have those first two games to try to work those certain things out. Now, you don't want to treat it as such, and that's why I think if you play a big-time opponent week one, you don't have those two-week buffers, so you kind of practice a little bit harder and you get those kinks worked out before the season. But I do want to see this team on the field, and I want to see them, how they look on the field in the game to see if those mental errors and those little things that add up in big-time games, if they are there when Auburn actually plays in these games versus when they're in practice, we're going to see. Ed, we appreciate the call. Let's take our first break here in hour number one. When we come back more quarterback talk question of the day here on the monday edition of on the line you are on the line on espn 1067 online at espnau.com or on the espn 1067 app Back here on the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Open Like a Sports Leader. We've got the question of the day, but before we do, let's head to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Shane, you're on line one. Thanks for holding through the commercial break. How are you? Yeah, how you guys doing? I'm good. We're doing great. What you got for us? I was just, you know, making a comment. I don't think that Harson was really saying that they don't know how to line up. I kind of think that that's like motivation for some of the players that, like, you know, he he's not saying names, but he, but he's talking about them. And, you know, you know, maybe pick it up a little bit, or you know, I I, I find it highly unlikely that we don't know how to line up right now um, to to play to play football. So 
I just think that sometimes they say that to get under the skin of some of the players. That may, so maybe it helps push them a little bit uh, without actually calling them out. Um, so that's just my opinion on that. And uh, But I guess we'll see in, in another week. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I tend to agree with you there. Based on reading his comments, uh, I haven't been able to go back and listen to that presser because uh, I was not not near my phone, I guess, much this, this weekend. But... But I was able to read it, and to me, that's a message that you're sending to the young guys of, hey, you need yeah. to lock in and focus. It's We are really close to, to the season. We're 13 and, days away. And, and it's it's go right. time right now. You need to lock in. Because he made statements about be, not being locked in and, or making sure you're locked in in team meetings. Sometimes it can be a little loose. And, it, I mean, it really is, like, Two weeks out. Well, that's just it's calling, time to focus. That's just calling out his, his young guys. That's yeah, not exactly. It's not everybody's not doing that. It's like he's calling out some. Hey, oh, hey, everybody needs to wake up. You know, uh, I, I don't think it's it's universal. I don't think it's it's all over. You know, I just think it's a couple couple people that need to step up, and he's kind of calling them out indirectly. That's that's all I think. Right, Shane. Anyway, guys, yeah, show. yeah. We War appreciate Eagle. the call, Shane. War Eagle to you as well. That was Shane here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Look, I kind of agree with him. I think like. You know, is everybody on the team performing perfectly right now on all, all X's and O's? No. And that's why Brian Harson probably made the comment yeah. that he did. It, just like Shane was saying, look, are we perfect right now? No, absolutely not. So let's try to try to, you know, when we're talking to the media, let's let them know that we're not playing perfect. So maybe the team picks it up a little bit. You don't want to call them out by name to the media, but you do want to you do want to at least let it be known that you still have some things to work on because as of what is today, August 22nd or whenever, so over the weekend, this team is not perfect yet. And sure, do they still have some issues? I'm sure they do. And I'm sure there's some young guys on this team that are still not functioning and playing to their potential. And I'm sure there's some young guys on this team that you still have to, to try to train up a little bit. And that's okay. And Brian Harson's trying to maybe just send a message. Yeah, and I... I think that's exactly what the message is there because you've you've seen you've seen this happen before. I mean, the, a great example of this was was Tavares Dawson last year. Last year came in, expected big things, didn't really work out. But then if you if you listened to the way that they've talked about him this year, it's all about how he's gotten his mindset right. He's locked in. He's 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 all over making sure he's ready to go in every moment now, and that's when you're seeing him have a big fall. I think how I take these these statements, I take that as the, there's some young guys who've come in, some guys new new to the program who haven't quite haven't quite locked in, aren't aren't where they need to be mentally two weeks out from the first game. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. Let's head back to the phone lines. Ed, welcome back in, my man. Ed, can we hear you? You got phone one on over there? All right, Ed, I don't know. I can't hear you, brother, so I don't know. As far as There you go. Was, I got you now. Said, uh, as far as what was and what you said, mm-hmm. it's easily found. He, he said that they couldn't. He didn't even even – just say he said he did it in meetings, and my point was, and I asked you, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And you thought it meant trouble. No, that means you have had very poor coaching in your time there. 
very poor coaching, and they do not have 22 new starters. And they, out of 85 guys, I'm sick of apologies about this, okay, about Harson. This is this is absolutely unheard. You tell me of another coach. You, you name me a good coach. Anybody, anybody at this time, it, it, you know, about two weeks out of the season saying we don't even know how to, you know, his second year, we don't even know how to run on the field. We don't even know. We don't know how to concentrate in meetings. We don't know how to do a dang thing. That's what he said in the article. That comes down to coaching. Okay. Yeah, look, I, Ed, look, I agree with you, man. I really do. And we again, we appreciate the call, Ed. I agree with you. If these are things that are happening right now, then yeah, that's worrisome. It, it really is. If these are things, and he said it, I, we found some of the comments where, yeah, they are struggling to sometimes focus in a meeting or get off and on the field at the right time. 100% that's on coaching. I'll give you that. There's no doubt about it. If those things are happening, like he says they possibly are, then yeah, that is a coaching problem, and that is a worrisome point for Brian Harson and this coaching staff, but we are two weeks out. How do they look during the game? How do they look when they're playing opponents in the season? If these things are happening when Auburn gets to play, if they're playing Mercer in San Jose State and they're having trouble lining up correctly and running the correct formations, absolutely, Ed, you're exactly right. You should be worried. I'm going to be worried. Carter's going to be worried. We're all going to be worried if Auburn can't line up correctly against Mercer in San Jose State because you definitely won't be able to do it against any SEC team. And you know what? That is on coaching. But until we get there... We only, us as the media and you as the fans and all of us as Auburn fans in general, we only get to see what they allow us to see. Mm -hmm. And we only know what they tell us. So Harson makes these types of comments and coaches make these types of comments. But is it as bad as they say it is? We don't know. Is it as good as they say it is? We don't know either. Yeah, I think that this, until you see it play out poorly in a game, we can't crawl inside the mind of Brian Harson and and determine what is him expressing legitimate concern and what's him trying to motivate certain guys in the locker room. Until until you have a moment, and you saw it last year. You saw it last year when it happened against Georgia State and early in the season. You had plays where only 10 guys got on the field. I highly doubt that in the Mercer game, the San Jose State game, and through the rest of the season... Brian Harson's staff is going to allow something like that to, to repeat itself in this 2022 season, in their second season of SEC football. I, I just I don't see it happening. And you know what? If it does, you can blame them 100%. Absolutely. And what, what, what I, I choose to look at these statements because coaches do make statements in the media to try to motivate players sometimes. It happens. To me, this is Ryan Harson sending a message to his locker room that, hey guys, this first game is a lot closer than maybe some of y'all are processing in your head. It's time to go. It's time to get right. First game is less than two weeks out. And that's probably a message not only he's sending when he talks to the media. Think If he's saying that to the media, think about what he's telling them directly in practice, in meetings, all of that, right? The message is clear. It's time to go. Like, this is, 
Brian Harson knows more than anybody this season has to go well. His job is literally up for grabs this year. If Brian mm-hmm. Harson doesn't win this year, he will be fired. They will pay the money and they will fire him. He knows he has to win. Does he have what it takes? We're about to find out. Does he have the team to win football games? We're about to find out. But if some of those problems arise like we saw last year blowing leads against Mississippi State or not being able to line up the football correctly, he will be fired because they're going to lose games and you can blame him at the end. If if those is- issues persist early in the season, then we're going to be having a conversation about that type stuff a lot sooner than anybody would really expect this year. But on the flip side, on the flip side, against all odds, if Brian Harson and Auburn are successful this year and they are successful for years to come, as much blame and as much hate as people would like to give him at times for his failures, if he is successful... You've got to give him credit, and you have to give him praise if he does it the right way and if Auburn looks successful, but it's a big what-if. We like to play the what-if game. If Auburn is successful, you've got to give him credit and praise it. But if they look bad and they are failing and they're not doing things correctly, you're absolutely right to give him blame as well. It's like the quarterback position. They get too much love and they get too much blame. Head coaches go the same way. Halfway through hour number one, stay tuned. Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, he'll be on the phone when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Well, as always on Monday afternoons, we've got Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central on the phone here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Joey, we are 13 days away from Auburn and Alabama kicking off the season. College football is officially here with week zero. Uh, What's your excitement level for football to be back, man? Oh, man, you know, I, I can't wait. You know, I, I know soccer has already picked back up. Volleyball will be starting soon when it comes to college athletics. But football is, you know, really where it's at for sport writers. And we're really, really excited for that to get going here in a couple of weeks. Well, as I mentioned, we are 13 days away from Alabama kicking off the season. And just like everybody else around the country, they are progressing through fall, fall camp and fall practice with some of their scrimmages. What can you tell us from the latest scrimmage from Tuscaloosa? Yeah, you know, uh, Nick Saban commented uh, last Saturday about how this team, you know, really showed some improvements in a lot of key areas, most notably the wide receivers. Uh, after the first scrimmage, there were a little bit too many, uh, little, little bit too many drops for Nick Saban's liking, and apparently the wide receiver core really improved in that arena. Um, Nick Saban also said that the offensive line, the first string at least, uh, still um, had still improved and looked a lot better. That being said, he still had a lot of a uh, lot of problems with, particularly the second string all around, not just on offense but on defense as well. Um, had a lot of complaints about you know the effort and the energy um, in the second string. Um, but overall, you know, I, I think you know it, it, was a, it was a solid scrimmage. Obviously, he didn't get to see it once again, um, but did get to hear a lot. Um, Nick Saban gave us a lot of info afterwards. Joey, this is Carter. Uh, so just looking at what Saban said. He seemed to uh, talk about leadership, and mm-hmm. how has has the leadership transformed from 2021 to 2022 this year with bringing back guys like Bryce Young, 
like like Will Anderson and other key pieces on both sides of the ball? Yeah, you know, as far as transformed, I think this team has a lot more experience than it did last year. You know, last year overall was a young team. Um, and Nick Saban, you know, frequently lamented the, the leadership last year, um, whether it be in the locker room or, or off the field. Um, he re- repeatedly throughout the year had a lot of problems with team leadership. And that's not, that's not a knock against Bryce Young or Will Anderson at all. It's just a knock on um, possibly some players that, you know, that have now moved on. But overall, he seems to be very pleased. You know, they have a really solid leadership group there um, this season. They've added a fifth player in, in Emil Echior. Um, to the leadership council. Um, so just really looking like this team is, is laser-focused. And we knew that going in, they would be, especially coming off of a, a loss in the national title game. But this is one of the more focused teams that I've ever covered um, at Alabama. They seem to really be out uh, out with a mission and kind of a revenge season, as it were, after that loss in, in Indianapolis. So it's going to be really exciting to see what they can come up with here in a couple of weeks. We've got Joey Blackwell of Bama Central on the phone here on On the Line. Joey, you started out talking about the wide receivers from from the scrimmage. How does uh, it is early and the season hasn't started yet, but how does this wide receiver room stack up with some of the very stacked wide receiver rooms that we've seen in the past for Alabama? Just comparing this year's wide receivers uh, early on in this in this fall camp to some of the other ones we've seen in the past. Yeah, you know, Alabama, a lot of fans expected there to be a drop-off in production with wide receiver this year just because, you know, you're losing Jamison Williams, one of the fastest players in the wide receiver, uh, it, it, one of the fastest wide receivers in the conference last year, and the loss of John Mechie as well. But, you know, with the additions of transfers in Jermaine Burton, Tyler Harrell, um, this, this wide receiver room is really looking solid. Of course, um, they do have uh, JoJo Earl is going to be out with the Jones fracture, as I talked about last week, for at least the next six to eight weeks. Um, but, you know, we, we've seen a lot of a lot of positives in that wide receiver room so far. Um, we saw a couple of standout performances this past week um, at, at wide receiver. Um, we've, uh, in particular, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm blanking on the name right now, but um, uh, Treshawn Holden, sorry, Treshawn Holden had a, from what I've heard and some sources that I had there, had had a really, really solid game. So, um, And then you have also Jameer Gibbs at running back, who while he might be a running back, his, his expertise and his, his skill set is really solid as a pass-catching running back. So overall, it's, 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 I, I wouldn't say this, this wide receiver core will be better than last year, but it definitely has uh, the potential to, to gain some ground for sure. Joey, I was going to ask you about potential breakout players on this Alabama team, and so I was going to specifically ask about Treshawn Holden because I started to – see and hear some some buzz about him from the past week but who are some players that are really poised for a breakout year on this Alabama team yeah you know I, I think Treshawn Holden like you said you know especially with Earl out I think he really has the ability to kind of step in and, and be a leader among these wide receivers and to really make an impact early on at least until Earl comes back um, I think Jameer Gibbs you know has gotten a lot of preseason hype with with good reason you know he's named second team uh, AP preseason All-American today, uh, uh, so I think there's a lot of hype around him on defensive side of the football. I'm expecting to see, you know, we, we kind of saw a lot of Dallas Turner and Kool-Aid McKinstry last year, but I think this year with both of them, with of course Kool-Aid being a, a defensive back and Dallas Turner um, being an outside linebacker, I think we're going to see a lot more than this year, and I think they're really going to have uh, be even better. Dallas Turner obviously was still solid last year, but you know we can combine him with. Will Anderson this year, and then potentially have a three-man pass rush along with Chris Braswell. 
Um, I really think we're going to see a lot of those guys, and I think Dallas Turner's going to thrive. We've got Joey Blackwell of Bama Central on the phone here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Joey, the notes coming out of the scrimmages and through fall practice so far, which side of the football for Alabama is winning in your mind? Uh, is it the defense or the offense that's been winning in practice and in the scrimmages? I think it's been, you know, overall the defense. You know, I, and and that's not you know anything against the offense at all. You know, if the offense is able to even be marginally successful against the defensive roster that they have this year, I think that's going to be you know something special. Um, but I think this defense is, on paper, it has one of the best rosters that Alabama's had since that 2016 defense. Um, they they really are stacked, and they have a lot more, a lot of veterans compared to the past couple of years. I really like the way they look. Um, so if I had to pick one, I'd say the defense is out is out much the offense, but that's just slightly, you know. And it, it's this the great thing about this Alabama team is the iron sharpens iron. And you know, with this Alabama team, you know, you have obviously a fantastic offense with a solid wide receiver core, with an improved offensive line over last year, with the Heisman Trophy winner and Bryce Young at quarterback, with a stable of running backs that Saban has complimented. And that's only going to make this defense better. And the same goes the other way around. This defense is stacked at, at pretty much all positions. There are some question marks. Don't get me wrong. But this defense really is going to improve when it's playing against that offense every day in practice. Joey, I've always heard that in each class, Saban has a guy that he almost like picks out as, as his guy in that class. And last class, it seemed to be Kool-Aid. Do we have a feeling on in this freshman class who is – who is Saban's guy in this class? You know, I, I wouldn't really say uh, as of yet. I, I don't think so. You know, it is really early on, and you know, we we, we obviously in the media don't get to talk, don't get to talk with the freshmen, and, and Saban, you know, right now doesn't really talk about freshmen and himself. So, I would say it's a little bit difficult to kind of pick who would be his guy right now. But at the same time, you know, I I have heard, you know, some of the freshmen are doing relatively well in practice. But as of right now, it's looking like this is going to be a sophomore and up squad that we have on the field this year for Alabama, that's for sure. Gotcha. Are there any freshmen that you potentially could see having any sort of impact on this team, or is it basically all going to be upperclassmen, sophomores, and up? You know, I um, – <clears throat> sorry, I'm trying to look up a, trying to look up a list of freshmen real quick just so I can refresh myself. I've been talking about upperclassmen so much lately that it's kind of hard. But, you know, I uh, I think that, you know, I, 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 I'm not really sure. You know, right now it seems that most of the most of the action has been going. Now we could see some freshmen um, step up at wide receiver just with JoJo Earl out, and if things don't pan out the way that we want them to – you know, this is a very talented wide receiver core with some freshmen there. But overall, you know, I think, you know, in the running back room, you know, we have Jamarian Miller, who's going to be solid. But as far as, you know, him being able to break out and go above, you know, players like Jace McClellan and Roy Dell Williams and Jameer Gibbs and Trey Sanders, I think that's going to be a little bit difficult for him. We've got Joey Blackwell of Bama Central here on On the Line. Joey, we saw Bryce Young, the reigning Heisman quarterback winner, and he'll be the starter for Alabama this season. We saw him uh, ink an NIL deal over the last couple of days. He's with Dr. Pepper. He'll be in the famous commercials. Uh, how was that? How will that impact Bryce Young and this Alabama team with just a, yet again another NIL deal? I mean, I don't really think it's going to impact Alabama that much. You know, Bryce Young had a plethora of NIL deals last year and that didn't affect his performance on the field as most saw. You know, I he, he already has you know, multiple big deal endorsements. You know, Dollar Shave Club Dollar Shave Club is the first to come to mind. And now Dr. Pepper, you know, he replaces, you know, last year Clemson quarterback uh, DJ Uyangalale was their 
towards their athlete in, in, in the Fansville ad, um, ad campaign, and now it's Bryce Young. So, you know, I, I think it's it's good for him and it's good for NIL in general because, you know, I saw there was an article in Forbes today where they got to interview Bryce, and they talked to him about, you know, his relationship with Dr. Pepper, and it's a product that he's <laughs> he jokingly, you know, has endorsed his whole life. You know, it's a product that he's, you know, consumed his whole life, and so it's good to see players like him be able to, you know, associate themselves with products that they truly endorse. And obviously, a guy like Bryce Young doesn't need to doesn't need the, the the publicity because we already know he has enough and speaks for himself on the football field. But it's good to see players like him, like him, you know, able to ink out deals like this. And Joey, when it comes to to NIL and for Alabama, has has Nick Saban's perspective and his attitude in your mind has it changed at all over the past couple of months, or is it just sort of what we've come accustomed to with NIL in Alabama? You know, I don't think his his opinion has changed. You know, obviously, I think, you know there was the whole spat with Jimbo Fisher um, that you know a lot of people like to refer to. I don't think I think you know Saban's made his opinions abundantly clear. When it comes to NIL, you know, talking about how this 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 is supposed to be a way for players to capitalize on their name, image, and likeness, and to you know to better themselves and their families, not as a means for schools and boosters and, and NIL collectives to try to use it to recruit you know recruit players. I don't think his opinion has changed on that at all. Um, but I would say, you know, over the past you know year, um, I think he's been nothing but consistent. He said since before. But since since NIL has been enacted, he you know he always Saban always talks about you know players creating value for themselves, not just on the football field, but in the classroom, and now with NIL in those terms is you know in those terms. So I think he's been nothing but consistent. I, I don't think his his viewpoints have changed. As long as people keep it out of recruiting, I don't think he really has an issue. We're talking with Joey Blackwell of Bama Central here on On the Line, Joey. There's no quarterback competition in Tuscaloosa, but the one here in Auburn has continued to, to to turn heads and get people riled up on this side of the state. How do people in Tuscaloosa view this quarterback battle in, in Auburn right now? You know, I, I <laughs> when it comes to Alabama fans, you know, it's kind of like what you always say. You know, Auburn fans are interested in what goes on in Tuscaloosa, and the same can be said the opposite. You know, Alabama fans are interested in what goes on, you know, goes on down the plains and. You know, with Brian Harson and what he's been able to do last year and take the Iron Bowl to four overtimes, you know, that definitely makes Alabama fans raise their eyebrows a little bit and pay attention to the planes a little bit more closely. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, it, it, it's been an interesting battle down there. You know, I think that a lot of Alabama fans would like to see TJ Finley start down there, but, you know, things are going to be uh, very interesting. Um, I, 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 if, if Auburn has a, a, a lot of talent, and, you know, it's, yeah, with, with Harson having to kind of, be under extra scrutiny right now it's going to be interesting how he uh how this how this battle plays out for him and joey it is week zero of college football we have some games on saturday including one from the sec vanderbilt playing hawaii uh northwestern will be playing overseas in ireland any games that you have your eyes on uh for for week zero in college football yeah, you know, for me personally, you know, I, I think I'll probably be watching the. I know a lot of people probably won't be, but I'll be watching that Utah State UConn game, um, just because you know it's not a lot. It's not a lot. Not very often that as an Alabama beat writer, I get to watch an uh, Alabama's opponent a week before the season even starts. <laughs> so definitely going to be watching that game. Uh, the Austin P Western Kentucky game should also be interesting. That's another Alabama opponent. But yeah, as far as the game that I'm definitely excited to watch is it's that Northwestern Nebraska game in Dublin. I think that's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting stadium and a, an interesting matchup there. And of course, 
for the late night masochists like myself, that Vanderbilt Hawaii game at 9:30 uh, that night is going to be a lot of fun too, and especially with all the the hype that's going around the game with the uh, I believe it was the Hawaii staffer that said that Vanderbilt didn't know what they were walking into uh, in their 9,300 seat arena. Uh, in, uh, in in Honolulu. So it's definitely going to be a lot of uh, exciting football this weekend. Well, Joey, college football is officially here, my friend. We're still about a couple of weeks away from hours getting started, but we have football coming up this week. It's always great to have you on talking everything going on in Alabama. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing with Bama Central. Absolutely. Everybody can follow me at Blackwell Sports on Twitter. Um, and of course, BamaCentral.com is our URL. That's where we have all of our stories, me and my my uh, fellow co-workers and co-writers there. Uh, so we cover pretty much all aspects of Alabama athletics and uh, uh, other news items across the SEC. And uh, thank you guys for having me. It's always fun. Appreciate nope. it, Yeah, Joe. we appreciate it, Joey. Hey, we'll talk game next week. We've got games to talk about next week. That's Joey Blackwell of Bama Central here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Let's take our final break in hour number one. We'll come back, talk a little Atlanta Braves and how they went over the weekend. You're listening to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. On the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Big thank you to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central hopping on the phone telling us everything going on in Tuscaloosa as Alabama gets ready for their week one matchup coming up next week of course Auburn gets started as well it's week zero this week we have college football and then next week is when everybody else gets started but here with just a couple of more minutes as we wrap up hour number one phone lines are open 334-321-1390 we'd love to hear from you about anything going on in the sports world Auburn football Atlanta Braves anything on your mind we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 but Let's talk a little Atlanta Braves baseball because they had another successful weekend at home against the Houston Astros. They were not able to get the sweep, but they took care of business against the Astros. No, absolutely. They were they were they had a great week. 5 and 2 in a in a four-game set against the uh, Mets at home and then the Astros at home. You couldn't ask for a better result coming in. But man, did I want that last game? Man, did I want that sweep. They it had just, it. It just slipped through yep. their grass. They tried to rally late, couldn't quite get there. And and the Phillies, oh my gosh. The, the, the Mets got served to the Phillies on a silver platter, and the Phillies choked. Are you the, shocked that the Phillies the, blew it? I'm not. But if if they're going to compete in the postseason at all, but they're not. When, when, <laughs> but they're well, not. When when Bryce Harper's back, I think it could be an interesting conversation because then that lineup gets all that more dangerous because you add the MVP back. Right. But but they got served the Mets, who had just had their their bullpen taxed. Mm-hmm. Their pitching their pitching is banged up, taxed as it could be. And you get them for four games in three days. At some point in there, they played two. They played three games in forty-eight hours or something close to that. And you, you lose the series. You lose three or four, and yep. like, come on! Yeah. Especially it's, the Sunday one got on my nerves because right. you you jump out to a four nothing lead. You let them back in. You hit another three run home run. You take another big lead, and you let them come back and beat you ten to nine. It's just the fit like. 
the Braves were awesome this week, but the week somehow like feels like it underwhelmed me a little bit because the Phillies choked that badly. Yeah, well, they did choke. And if you look at when you look at the standings, look, the Braves had a fantastic week. What what may have been one of the hardest stretches of their entire season, the Braves handled it extremely well. They beat the Mets. They beat the Astros. The game on Saturday night, uh, I, I couldn't believe the Braves came back and won. Once it that w- game had everything had everything there was a in pitchers it. duel. Yep. you saw you saw homers on both sides, and then. And then it just went off the rails in extra innings. My condolences go out to the poor suckers that had the under in that game when it was 1-1 going into the last couple of innings and it ended up scoring nine runs in the game. So I apologize to anybody that bet the under in that if you're a betting man. But the Braves ended up coming back. They win that game in extras. And then, of course, yesterday they weren't able to do it. But when you look at the standings, after all of that, the Braves are still four games back of the Mets. They were so close to being able to the the Sunday going the Braves way and the Phillies not choking and it's two games but and the but the Phillies Phillies that <laughs> makes my blood boil to watch them choke that like the series could not have been served up on a platter better yeah. Scherzer and DeGrom through the previous two games you have to win that series. You gotta you're win at it. Home. Yeah, you gotta win it if you're the Phillies. They don't though. That's that's oh my I mean, that's what that's what we gotta realize is they didn't. And so when you look ahead for the Atlanta Braves, you have three games at the Pittsburgh Pirates, you have three games at the St. Louis Cardinals, and then you come home for a couple of games against the Rockies. That is how the month of August will finish out. And then you have one more game. It's a three-game series against the Rockies at home, and then a three-game series against the Marlins at home. So Winnable games for the Braves coming I, up in the next two weeks. I think I think if the Braves handle their business, if they play the way that they've been playing, because that lineup, especially that bottom of the order, Vaughn Grissom and Michael Harris are so daggum clutch late in the game. It's so much fun to watch. Vaughn Grissom is about the hottest hitter on the planet right now. Besides maybe Pujols, who's who's yeah, by the way, yeah, Pujols, baby, Pujols yes. is destroying left-handed pitching. Is there anybody that's not a fan of he's Albert hit, Pujols? He's hit what five home runs in his last five he games. He hit two in one game. He hit two in one game twice last week. Yeah, I know. But yeah, no, he was. I mean, he was awesome. If you go look at, I think he's got a slugging percentage in OPS that's like in the top like ten in the in the NL now. Everybody's cheering that's, him on right now. Looks I like, want him to get to seven hundred so badly. I know it. I don't know if it's gonna happen, but we're gonna. I think it will. I mean, right? The pace he's on right now, they like because they basically have decided, hey, we're gonna exclusively use you. Yeah, we're gonna let we're gonna let him swing and just let him go at it. Right before we have to get out of here for the first hour, we talk about the Braves being four games back of the New York Mets. They have two games at the New York Yankees. They have four games against the Rockies. Then to end the month of August and into the month of September, they have three games against the Dodgers, and three games against the Nationals. So some tougher games for the Mets. We'll see if the Braves can make any type of progress. Got to make, make up some ground. Some. Hour number one, officially in the book. Stay tuned. I got a whole lot more coming up in hour number two.
Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. I'm your man Jacob Goins here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway right here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of hour number one, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. You can find it commercial free following today's show. So make sure you go and find that. Just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. We talked to Joey Blackwell back in hour number one of Bama Central. Uh, He told us everything going on in Tuscaloosa talking about Alabama fall camp, fall practice, some of their scrimmage notes as they are less than two weeks out from their first game of the 2022 season. So we talked to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central and, of course, lots of conversation about Auburn football and a little bit of Atlanta Braves baseball. So all of that and more in hour number one. If you missed any of it, be sure and go and find the podcast again wherever you get your podcast. Well, here in hour number two, we have so much to talk about. Phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. Call in, be a part of the show, be on the line. We'd love to hear from you. Anything on your mind in the sports world, Auburn quarterback battle, Auburn scrimmage notes, uh, baseball, uh, whatever you want to talk about. (laughs) Week zero, if you want to talk about that, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Carter, let's start hour number two like we always do, my friend, with making headlines here on Monday, August 22nd, 2022. Auburn had their scrimmage on Friday. We heard some notes from the coordinators on Friday. We heard Brian Harson talk on Saturday. Uh, obviously, the, the storyline is the quarterbacks, and seems like this thing is going one way, and that's TJ Finley. No, absolutely. I mean, it just you don't hear anything that gives you any confidence that it's not like it's anybody else I mean it's it's clearly not Calzada you are hearing positive things about when they talk about Robbie Ashford's athleticism the place he's making with his legs but then you also hear about the inaccuracy and the and I keep coming back to the Keesaw quote that he's they finally got to play in the quarterback position which is not what I love to hear two weeks out but but it's clearly tj finley's job to lose at this point and i would have a i have a hard time envisioning a scenario where he doesn't take snap number one against mercer right now and we're two weeks i mean we're less than two weeks away and i think that is where this entire thing is going coming into the spring and really coming into the fall this was tj finley's quarterback position this was his job because of how last season ended he was the guy that ended last season right and I think it was safe to say that this was his job until somebody, Zach Calzada, came in to beat him out. And that's exactly what we all thought was going to happen, myself included, for months on this show. I have, with 100% confidence, said mm-hmm. it is going to be Zach Calzada. Because of what we saw at AM, because of what we thought he could be, I just thought it was, it was just 100% fact he was going to come in and take this job. 
but that just hasn't happened. And and as of right now, from what we're hearing from the coordinators and what we're hearing from Brian Harson and what we're hearing from other media members from practice and from the scrimmage, TJ Finley is your QB1. Zach Calzada has not taken those steps that it takes to be the starting quarterback at Auburn right now. Robbie Ashford may not be the quarterback he needs to be yet. And apparently the fourth string quarterback throws it better than any of them. So throw that wrench in the mix as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I as you were saying that, it made me, I was thinking back to my 400 meter dash analogy from last week and just now in my head, here comes Garner. There's, there's somebody in the distance 200 <laughs> meters back, and it's he's it's, on the whole other side old, of the track. Yeah, and he's and he's sprinting trying to catch up with everybody else. But uh, here he comes. It's God. I think you're all but guaranteed to see two quarterbacks against Mercer. I think three is probably going to happen, but I I think you're absolutely seeing T.J. Finley, and you're absolutely seeing whatever the packages are that they're going to have planned for Robbie Ashford. And it's it's a matter of, do they want to see Calzada in live action against a real opponent where, you, where you're not wearing the orange jersey, where you can't be touched, where you can't be truly pressured? Do you, do you let him see live bullets against Mercer, and does he prove something to you that he hasn't at this point, maybe? So I think you'll probably see all three against Mercer. It's clearly TJ's job, though. But it's... It's also you're going to see the the beginning of those package sets for Robbie Ashford. And those might, if he kills it in those packages, those packages are going to grow. And then if he continues to improve, 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 could he down the road unseat TJ Finley, especially if TJ struggles in some capacity? Potentially. Yeah, I mean, there's there's just so many different options that this thing could go. I agree. I think it will be TJ Finley that takes the snap. The first snap against Mercer, it's crazy that it, I mean, my whole thought and opinion has changed on this. It really has. I'll be honest with you, folks. It's changed. I mean, last week it started to, to change because of what we were hearing and seeing from practice. But at this point, we're two weeks away. And the one thing that I've talked about is I want a quarterback to be named as soon as possible. And the conversation we had late last week was probably early this week was when the quarterback was going to be named we're looking at tomorrow possibly Wednesday for this guy to be named Zach Calzada you can't make up that much ground in 24 hours so I think it is going to be TJ Finley that takes the first snap against Mercer I do agree with you my friend that Robbie Ashford will play in this Mercer game does Calzada touch the field as well we're gonna have to wait and find out and see what the game looks like and then against San Jose State as well But what's got to happen, no matter who it is, by the Penn State game, you have to have your starter, and I think you got to ride with him all the way out. I think I think what's what's maybe what's taken us all by surprise, what's been the shocking, the jarring part, is it doesn't seem to be a armed an arm talent or a just talent in general of playing the the quarterback position. That doesn't seem to be the issue between Calzada and Finley. It appears to be the mental side of it. It appears to be learning the offense, knowing where to line guys up, knowing how to read, how Harson wants his quarterbacks to read defenses pre-snap. But how long how is that going to take? Check. Exactly, exactly. And that's been the most shocking thing is that that appears to be where the disconnect is with Zach Calzada, and I don't think any of us saw that coming. No, I think I think all of us thought. 
coming from Texas A&M, coming from a lauded quarterback coach and Jimbo Fisher, you would think that he would have been able to slide in, learn that stuff, handle it well, but it's been a little surprising that he hasn't. Yeah, I I 100% agree, man. I think everybody, again, myself included, I thought Zach Calzada was going to come in and it would just be just a smooth transition. He would come in, slowly take over. By the time fall camp rolled around, he would be QB1, and we'd all just be ready to go for the season. But here we are. No quarterback has been named yet, but it's leaning towards TJ Finley from what we've heard so far. Let's head to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Matthew, you're on line one. Welcome in. Hey, guys. I'm just curious, uh, listening to you guys, who's more of a uh, running threat? Is Calzada a running threat? I know he's a... pretty good uh thrower but i mean tj's not the best runner at all i mean calzada is more of a runner than tj finley but if you're looking for just a running quarterback it's going to be robbie ashford i mean between tj i i think that you have to say that it's calzada i think you saw him use his legs more to this point in their career i mean let's let's be honest here it's a lot harder to move six foot seven, two hundred thirty, two hundred forty pounds, whatever TJ's height and weight is. It's harder to move at that size than it is at Zach Calzada's size. Now you have had the quotes, the quote from Marcus Harris that TJ is is moving better and he is using his legs better. To what extent I don't know, but if you're asking me who's a who's more of a threat with with his legs, I have to go Calzada just based on what I've seen to this point. Do I think either of them is a dual-threat quarterback by any stretch? No. They're both absolutely pocket passers. Yeah, I I agree, and we appreciate the call, Matthew. That was Matthew here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Yeah, if you're comparing TJ Finley and Zach Calzada as runners, neither one of them are great from what we've seen. Uh, TJ Finley last year, of course, not very mobile. Again, he's, he's a big guy. I mean, he doesn't... He would prefer to stand there and try to throw the football. Zach Calzada, can he make plays with his legs? Yeah, sure, but I wouldn't call either one of them running quarterbacks. If you want that, you're going to put Robbie Ashford. But again, when we talk about Brian Harson and the style of offense he wants to run, the running quarterback is not really what he wants, but is that something we could see him adjust throughout his time? Because when Brian Harson came to Auburn, he had his way of doing it. It was my way or the highway. And we've seen him have to change a couple of things because it didn't work. Cough, cough, recruiting, cough, cough. So <laughs> maybe this is something he has to adjust if Robbie Ashford is truly the best bet for you to win football games. Yeah, I know. I think that there is a there is a place for for more mobility at quarterback in this Brian Harson offense. And I think you saw that last year with Bo Nix. The beginning of the year, to me, it felt like Bo Nix was trying almost too hard to sit in the pocket, be the guy, the pocket passer, almost statue, more statue-like back there type of guy that Brian Harson wanted. And then you saw when that wasn't working, you saw you saw him go back to old Bo Nix. And then it was when he kind of merged the two at LSU was when we saw the best version of Bo Nix that we had seen in mm-hmm. his career. Now, did did that change something in Brian Harson's mind? Maybe. But I would say right now, based on what you're seeing, probably not. But if if Robbie Ashford gets to a point where he is close enough, arm talent-wise and accuracy-wise, and going through the progression, going through the reads, 
I think you hand the reins over, even if he may not be quite as good of a passer, because of the dynamic nature that he brings with his legs. And I think what we've learned so far is TJ Finley is probably the better thrower than Robbie Ashford right now. He's a little bit more accurate, especially from what I've seen in the little bit of practice I've seen. TJ Finley is more accurate right now. But I like where you're going. If Robbie Ashford can improve and keep improving as a passer, and he gives you that other threat as a runner then yeah, maybe. And you talk about Bo Nix last year. We saw him run for three years, but he ran for his life because he didn't have a choice, right? So that's something that we had a caller bring up late last week that you and I had not really talked about was how much does the offensive line play into this? Because it doesn't matter how well you throw the football. If you don't have time to throw the ball, it doesn't matter. And if you're not a runner and you're, and you're running for your life, I mean, that's not a good combination if you can't escape the defense, but you've got to have a little time to do something. I think all of these are just big-time factors that we're going to find out in the next 13 days. I'm really fascinated what this offensive line looks like as a unit because you return a lot of pieces that have been there the past few years, and they've been they've been a much maligned group, let's say. Let's, let's go with that wording of it. But you also are starting to hear all this buzz about guys who have – over time maybe weren't ready in previous years because they're coming off injury or they were young but now you're starting to hear buzz about different guys really start to push that group that's coming back how much does that does that unit take a step forward with the same guys getting pushed by these younger guys or these guys coming off injury or these new faces being entered into the lineup can that unit take a decent step forward because if they can if they can be an above average to solid to good offensive line in the SEC, That's all you got to be. Then then that makes that makes you a lot more comfortable having a guy like TJ Finley or Zach Calzada back there, a true pocket passer. Because we saw we saw when a truly elite D line with elite edge rushers in Alabama went up against a pocket passer quarterback in this offense against an offensive line that wasn't ready to prepare. You saw you saw seven sacks and TJ Finley he struggled back there against Alabama. In my opinion, I've said this before and I'll say it again, with the offensive line and the guys that have been here for Auburn, they've been here long enough. You've been here three and four years now, playing with the exact same guys to your right and to your left. It's now or never for the offensive line to be good with this group. If not, if you are not where you need to be as an offensive line in the SEC, it's time for a change. But you know what? Auburn's got to recruit guys too. and you got to get offensive linemen to recruit and commit to Auburn because if you don't commit and you don't get them to commit to your school and to play, you're going to be screwed down the road, right? So it's a big question mark. The offensive line, I feel like it's something we have talked about my entire life, it seems like, with Auburn most of the time is, can Auburn get an offensive line that's able to protect? That's the big question. That plays into the quarterback battle. We're going to discuss it a whole lot more. I miss I, Jeff Grimes. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I, I miss Jeff Grimes too. I do. I really do. I, I just We just want an offensive line. Is that too much to ask for? We just want all of our positions to be handled and Auburn to be great. That's all we're asking for, man. Can you give it to us? We're going to find out. Hey, we're having, we have a whole lot more to talk about with Auburn football when we come back. Phone lines are open. 334-321-1390. More of the Monday edition of On the Line when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7 online at espnau.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. 
question of the day here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to us. Call in, be a part of the show. Be on the line. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390, especially with this question of the day. I'm really curious to see what Carter has to say. Obviously, I'm going to give my take, but then what you, the listener, has to say about our question of the day. 334-321-1390. With it looking more like TJ Finley is going to be quarterback one for Auburn, are you confident? in him to win games for Auburn. Does Auburn win football games with TJ Finley in the year 2022? What's your confidence level in that? Confidence level, like scale 1 to 10? Yeah, um, yeah, we can do a scale, 1 to 10. 10 being Auburn is going to beat everybody on their schedule. 1 is Auburn goes 3 and 9, like a lot of people are predicting. I'm going to say that I am I am fluctuating Uh depending on the day i'm fluctuating between between about a four and a six right right in the middle because my my heart wants to believe that tj finley has improved enough that the offensive line can take a step forward with with these new faces being added to the mix that haven't really been competing for playing time recently that are starting to round into form with this receiving core and these running but with this receiving core that looks like it's ready to step up and these running backs that we already know, they're known commodities. They're they're both really good. One is borderline great, depending on wh- what level you, you want to push it to. Um, th- all of that, if TJ has improved to the level that, that, that it's being said that he has, yeah. My, my heart wants to believe, but then my head just keeps thinking back to, well, you're going to run a gauntlet this year especially late in the year where you go on the road a bunch. You go on the road a bunch to mm-hmm. to to Athens, to to Tuscaloosa, Oxford and all these other games, Starkville. And it's it's if I don't see and my brain is telling me, man, if it doesn't look drastically like confidence level in the pocket. That's it right there. Like everything like walk out there like I am the dude and I am 100% confident in every decision I'm making because I know the offense better than anybody else in this quarterback room. I know what I'm checking to. I know what I'm audibling to. I know how to make that safety look him off and make sure that my guy running the post right right between him or whatever, how he's out of the way so I can make that throw. If he shows me that, then then I'll buy in. But my, my brain's having a hard time getting there right now. But as we're 13 days away, that's, you know, there's no doubt our confidence can change and our opinions can change as he takes the field if he is ultimately named quarterback one like we think he will be sometime this week. But the confidence level throughout the season, if in those first two games, yeah, if he has great performances and there's no hiccups and TJ Finley puts up 60 points in in, in each for each of the first two games, sure, well, I think we're all going to be confident at that point. But I think that's the big thing you said is there's got to be a drastic difference between what we saw from TJ Finley last year and what we see from TJ Finley this year. And so my confidence as of right now, as of August 22nd, no, we don't have a technical starter named yet. I do think it will eventually be TJ Finley. That's where the signs are leading to. 
my confidence is not very high. I, I mean, I, I'm putting it on like a four or five. I'm right there with you. I was about to say, put my number at four and a half. Yeah, exactly. Because we just don't know. That's what I mean, we only know what we've seen and what we've heard, which is very, very little to what is actually happening and what will happen in a game. And that number may not move a whole lot until we see him play Penn State because even if he has a good game against Mercer and San Jose State, what does that really tell us? You're right. You're right. Here's here's something that I just thought about. If you were to take the exact same things that are being said about TJ Finley and Zach Calzada and just switch who they're being said about, I would feel drastically different because my brain has seen Zach Calzada play a truly elite game. He's done it against Alabama. And so I know it's in there. My brain's having a hard time getting there with TJ. And I don't think you're alone. I think most Auburn fans feel that way. It like like I I want him to prove me to prove it. To prove to me that he can be that guy. I want any but of I them to have do not that. Seen it. I'm having a hard time getting there. Yeah, I want any of these guys to do that. We talked about that last week. That was a point I made. I don't care who the starter is for Auburn. I really, really don't. I don't care. I just want the guy to be good, run the offense, score some points, not turn the ball over, and win football games. I don't care if it's TJ Finley. I don't care if it's Zach Calzada. I don't care if it's Robbie Ashford. I don't care if it's Anders Carlson who comes off the kicking team if he has to play quarterback. Whoever it has to be, just win football games. And I think the problem is, you're exactly right. Auburn fans, and this is no, I'm not saying it's a bad thing because everybody does it with every team and every player they ever watch. If you see a player not play well, you have a negative connotation towards that player. That's just how it goes. And Auburn fans don't have a lot of positives to go off on with TJ Finley. And so that's why I think overall, Auburn fans' confidence right now is probably pretty low in TJ Finley until he proves it on the football field. Yeah, and think about this season. Think about the sample size you you have seen so far from TJ Finley. The the two the two main times that most Auburn fans have seen him were the last three games last year and the year before when he came in with LSU to Auburn and got smacked in the mouth that mm-hmm. whole game and got benched. So the sample size doesn't instill a lot of confidence. You can talk about improvement in the media and in practice and all that, but man, too many times in recent history have have Auburn quarterbacks been talked about how much they've improved or how good they're going to be Mm. Kyle Frazier uh Jeremy Johnson and then it does not translate at all and if anything it just it's the flip the other way exact 180 of everything you've been hearing and so I think that's why Auburn fans are going to be very skeptical because it's happened too many times where somebody's been hyped up and then has been a big old nothing burger once they get out there does it change things that this is a new head coach and a new coaching staff carter i mean does it change things at all that this is a new coach or a new coaching staff no because not really uh because to me to me i've i haven't seen anything to 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 instill the the confidence that that it's any different because the the there's been enough enough of a of a uneasiness and that's mainly due to how you finished last year where I'm just, I'm ha- I'm having 
Because there's no, I don't care who's playing quarterback. That Auburn team last year should not lose in Columbia to South Carolina. I don't care who it is. And and it's the the when you're in the Iron Bowl, some decisions there were confusing, like coaching wise and stuff. And so it's the coaching staff. Maybe I don't have full faith because of the way last season ended. So you're saying that not only do Auburn fans not have confidence in T.J. Finley. Maybe they're not so confident in the coaching staff either. I think that's definitely you, the message we've been hearing so far. You have a like you have some decisions down the stretch last year that were very questionable, like not going for two in the first overtime of the Iron Bowl. I I was yelling my Run, brains out. Running tank at Penn State. I mean, there's a there's so Fake many things punt at South Carolina. Yeah, uh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Maybe the confidence confidence right now. Confidence level in Auburn in general may not be where it needs to be as we're 13 days away from the season. We're going to talk a lot more of this with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network when we come back. Jacob Goetz on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Well, as always on Monday afternoons and hour number two, we have Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob, I know it's a busy time for you. We are 13 days away from the season, but man, college football is here. It's week zero, my man. Man, I cannot wait for Saturday night. I mean, the game I'm looking forward to is that Vanderbilt-Hawaii game oh, yeah. on Saturday. I mean, that, that that's the one. you got to be looking for that late-night Hawaii game, and it just happens to be Vanderbilt this week, so I can't wait for that. I'm truly baffled why y'all are so excited about that <laughs> game. It's Vanderbilt going across, <laughs> like going into the Pacific Ocean to play a team okay. that can't play in their home stadium because it's condemned. <laughs> Car- Carter, if it, if it was week seven, I might feel a little bit different about it, but because it's week zero, I'm all in. And it's hey, SEC football. I think, I think y'all y'all are excited about the game crossing the wrong ocean here. I think the Northwestern <laughs> Nebraska game has a lot more buzz around it and could be an exciting game that means something. I don't know. Fair corner. Yeah. <laughs> well, Hillman, look, it's week zero, and yes, we do have an SEC team playing, but we're not going to talk about Vanderbilt on this show a whole lot. Let's talk about Auburn because they had their scrimmage on Friday night. We heard from the coordinators Friday, or I guess Friday afternoon, and then we heard from the coordinators on Friday. We heard from Brian Harson on Saturday. Your ju- your takeaways from from this scrimmage on Friday, the practice on Saturday, and what the coaches have had to say so far. Well, yeah, I think the big thing is that we're going to get that starting quarterback named sooner rather than later, um, at the latest at the end of this week. But uh, I think we might get that name tomorrow. It's going to be between uh, T.J. Finley, Zach Calzada, Robbie Ashford. Uh, Finley's probably in the lead right now with the, the experience he has and being a year under the system. And then, obviously, you've got the guys with Calzada and Ashford that you never know. They they could have been doing things in uh, in practice that they didn't really talk about. Uh, Calzada, obviously, coming off the shoulder injury, that, that really hurts him. And then Ashford, he's just not quite as polished as a passer and uh, has never taken a snap in college. So those are really his big – those are the big things that I think are going into this decision of who's going to be the starting quarterback. So we're going to have to see who Coach Harson. Uh, names to start or whether that's tomorrow or at the end of this week. 
So given that those are the three guys in the battle, and that, those are the ones that are talked about everywhere, uh, no matter what outlet you, you read, it's the, the three names that pop up every time. So what do you make of Brian Harson on Saturday saying Holden Gurner looked the best of any of them on Saturday? Yeah, it's an interesting thing for him to come out and say because obviously people are going to take that in a lot of different ways, whether that's the other three not performing as well, or it could be Gurner just stepping up and uh, really having a flash that uh, might be a good thing down the road. I think that might be what it is. It's just that he had a flash of greatness that uh, we're not going to see consistently yet because he's just a freshman. He's still learning the offense. He's still learning how to play football at the collegiate level. He's never really even been on the sidelines for a college football game as a part of a team. So I think it's something that is good because he probably just went out and performed uh, better than he has all, all all summer long and all fall long. So uh, I, I want to see that continue to happen. I want to see him show those flashes and, and really give hope for uh, the future at the quarterback position because I think he can be a guy that comes in and, and, and becomes that starter one day. That probably isn't this year, but – uh, in the future, you really never know and who's going to be that guy uh, for Auburn uh, beyond 2022. Are you telling me that Saturday was his Bo Nix down in Baton Rouge day? Well, I wouldn't say that because that could, that, that might have been Bo's peak. So I don't think that was uh, holding Fair. We'll, 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 we'll have to see uh, down the road if it was. Well, Hillman, let me ask you this. As we are 13 days away from the kickoff for Auburn against Mercer – to this point in fall camp, to this point in fall practice, everything that you have seen and heard and watched, right? What is your, I guess, what what's your feeling about this quarterback battle? Who is the best option to start for Auburn at the quarterback position? Yeah, right now it, it, it's probably Finley because I think you're looking at it from the standpoint of him being a year under the system. He didn't have a shoulder injury in uh in the spring like calzada did and i think that's holding him back just a little bit and 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 who knows it might be something that he just he just has to work through and then also like i said ashford he's just not as polished but he does bring that running ability that neither of the other two guys do bring so uh, i i think what you're going to end up seeing is finley being the starter and then uh, robbie ashford as your guy uh that comes in on some short yardage packages that just to show a little bit different and you know, I, I'm obviously I'm sure a lot of Auburn fans are thinking back to the 2016 Clemson game and the different quarterbacks, but I think it's a little bit different than that. It's more of a set strategy, more of a set game plan um, where you know what to expect from Robbie Ashford coming into the game uh, if he is not the starter, if Finley is the one, uh, the quarterback one. We're talking to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network here on On the Line. Hillman, one of the questions that Carter and I have been pondering is if TJ Finley is named as QB1 for Auburn, whether it be tomorrow, this week, whatever, if TJ Finley is named QB1 for the Auburn Tigers, was it the fact that he won the quarterback position or nobody else took it from him? Well, I really think that uh, it, it's him winning it. I mean, look look what he's done this offseason, the, the, the adversity he's faced. He, he had that whole drama with the, with, uh, with the arrest and everything um, that he had to overcome. And him him dealing with that and just coming out and getting named the starter two weeks after that, I think that's a big deal. Now, of course, you can argue about how big of a deal that arrest was because, I mean, was it really? It wasn't. So I think that he, he, he went out and he knew that he had two guys coming in, two transfers coming in, that were coming for the starting quarterback job. I mean, I, I, Zach Calzada didn't leave Texas A&M 
because he wanted to come be a backup at Auburn. He he left for Auburn because he wanted to come be the starting quarterback. Same with Robbie Asher. Robbie Asher might have a different timeline than Zach Calzada, but either way, both guys came in looking to compete for the starting job and have both uh, shown flashes that they can be the starter. Robbie Asher was obviously the 8A MVP, and then you had Zach Calzada who went and beat Alabama last year. I really think that uh, T.J. Finley has done enough this year. Obviously, it's not like you're hearing about these big numbers, but I think he's being consistent and he is being uh, uh, really kind of a leader, a a leader as well as someone who's commanding the huddle and the offense. I think that's something Coach Harson keeps uh, keeps repeating is how they command the offense, how they command the huddle, and just how they act. Uh, Because, you know, he, he said it's not about who goes and throws the ball perfectly every time. It's about how the offense is ran and whoever's running the offense the best is going to get uh, the starting nod because that gives this Auburn team the best chance to win. Okay, so if it's going to be, really if it's going to be Calzada or Finley, a guy that's more of a pocket passer, with the with the returning experience on the offensive line and these new faces that you're starting to hear about that are that are starting to push some of those older veteran guys for, for spots, what is it, because you, you need to be able to, to, to protect your quarterback, what is a reasonable reasonable expectation as far as improvement out of that unit? Are you talking about the offensive line? Yes. I, I think you got to you got to get back to, and I'm going to talk about the running game as well a little bit. You've got to have a thousand yards rushing again. You've got to have Tank Bigsby do his thing, and I think that's a very fair expectation. And then really, it's just about the quarterbacks. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't really have like a, a number or, or anything uh, anything to point to. Uh, as an improvement, but it's just, I guess, more consistency because when you look at games like that Texas A&M game last year, uh, putting up three points, that's just, that's just that you can't you can't do that in SEC play. And really, I don't blame the offensive line for that performance, but I think that it's all it's all a combination of things. And and whenever one unit's not working well, it's going to lead to the other unit not performing. So uh, the offensive line is obviously the anchor of any offense and. You know, when that's not working well, it's hard to run the ball, and that leads to bad passing. So I really just think having these consistent, uh, really, offensive outputs, and it starts with the running game and Tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter, Damari Austin, it's going to have to start with those guys. And, and like I said, I think the one number is getting Tank to 1,000 yards, but other than that, there really isn't a specific thing to point to uh, with this offensive line. We're speaking with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network here on On the Line. As we move through fall practice, let's talk about the defensive side of the football for a minute. Some guys and some position groups that, as we're 13 days out, that have caught your eye, that have either gotten better through fall practice or that you will have your eye on in the next 13 days as as the season gets started. Yeah, we talked about Camden Brown a lot at wide receiver. I really like him um, and and what he's done. He's really solidified himself in the rotation uh, as a receiver. And then it's Damari Austin. He, he, he's, he's only going to be a third-string running back because we know what Tank Bigsby and we know what Jarquez Hunter can do. But I really like what Austin has brought to the table because of the passing game. He's a really good pass catcher, and I think that you can split him out wide or throw it to him out of the backfield, and you just got a lot of options with him. He, he's had some really impressive scrimmages. So I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of role they carve for him in the offense. And whether that's a very niche role or he actually gets a set amount of carries per game, it's going to be really interesting to see how they uh, really put him in there. And I, I, I'm excited to see Damari Alston as a freshman because I think it's going to be kind of a preview for years to come. 
And Hillman, what about the defensive side of the football? Are there positions or players that have made improvements through practice that you're going to have your eye on when the season starts? Yeah, uh, Caden Bridges is one. He's really started to work his way in to the starting lineup as a safety uh, uh, beside Donovan Kaufman. Uh, and I really think that it's going to be exciting to watch this defense because it's your experience uh, group. Zion Puckett back there as well, um, and then the defensive line we know all about. And then Cam Riley and uh, Wesley Steiner are going to be interesting ones to watch at that linebacker position. Uh, I think Steiner might be kind of Owen Papo's backup, but Cam Riley will also uh, inter-switch with them as well. So it's going to be interesting to see those two uh, new starters uh, with Riley uh, Steiner and Caden Bridges, in my opinion, uh, in the backside of the defense as the season gets started. We're speaking with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network here on On the Line. Look, there's so much going on around this team right now, and as we get 13 days away from the Auburn football season starting, Hillman, let me ask you, what is your prediction on when we will have a starting quarterback name for Auburn? I mean, is it going to be tomorrow, late this week? What is your prediction if you had to put a guess on it? Yeah, I think probably tomorrow. I think Coach Harson wants to say it in the press conference. They're also introducing the team captains for this season. So um, I think that's, that's a good time to really uh, set the tone for uh, what the season is going to be. I don't know who the team captains are going to be. I've, you're probably looking at guys like Owen Papo, Tank Bigsby, uh, Derek Hall. And I, I really think that that's a good time to announce who the starting quarterback is because you want your team captain speaking about your starting quarterback and, and really backing him up and, uh, and telling everyone how they feel about that. So I think tomorrow is the day instead of just a social media post on, on a Friday or something like that. So, um, And I think that Coach Harson as well as the offensive coaches feel comfortable enough with whoever they go with uh, to make that announcement tomorrow. It's also one of those things where you're looking at kind of an extended game week. Mercer plays on Saturday, so you're going to have uh, a look at them a little bit before uh, your week one matchup with them. So um, I think that's a big deal for this coaching staff is to go ahead and get working with them uh, this week before. And Hillman, the question that we've been talking about today, it was our question of the day here on the show. If TJ Finley is named QB1 for Auburn tomorrow, this week, whatever it may be, if TJ Finley is named QB1 on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being extremely low and 10 being extremely high, what is your confidence level in TJ Finley winning football games for Auburn if he is, in fact, the starting quarterback this season? Well, whoever it is is going to win football games. It's just a matter of, uh, um, how you do after this five-game stretch, I think. Because I think the opening five games, uh, as critical as they are, you're, you're looking at a confident 2-0 and start. And then, you know what, if you, if you, if you go 2-1 and one over that stretch, it's fine. But I think that uh, uh, T.J. Finley can carry you to a 5-0 and o start. And then from there, you're going to Georgia, you're going to Ole Miss, and then you get the bye week. Those two games right there are critical. You don't want to lose both of those games or get blown out at Georgia. So – Past that point is where things get a little interesting. So I, I, I really, to put a number on it, uh, I would say a 7.5. I, I feel confident that he can go in there and, and win football games, but you're also looking at a tough schedule um, that it's going to be tough to handle past those five games because you're going to the defending national champions. You're going to an Ole Miss team that hasn't beat Auburn in a long time, so they'll be motivated to do that. And obviously their quarterback situation makes things a little different. And then November is going to be a tough stretch. Uh, at Mississippi State with Texas A&M coming home and then at Alabama. 
Well, Hillman, look, man, next week we get to talk about a, an actual game. We're going to get to preview the Mercer game next week. It'll be game week. Enjoy week zero this weekend. We're going to talk to you next week, of course, talking about the Mercer game as the season will officially be underway. Thank you so much for coming on the show. As always, let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing, man. Yeah, y'all follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. Man, it was an exciting time at the Auburn Stockers Complex past week. Mm-hmm. 1-0 win against Old Dominion on Thursday and then yesterday just an offensive explosion against Southern Miss nine to zero. So hey this soccer team's gonna be pretty good. I would pay attention to them throughout the season. But yeah, thanks for having me on guys. War Eagle. Yep, War Eagle to Appreciate you as well. It. That's Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network here on the Monday edition of On the Line. He has some confidence in TJ Finley. He expects him to be named the starter tomorrow. We'll see if that is the case. We'll take our final break here in hour number two. When we come back we'll wrap up the Monday edition of On the Line right here on ESPN one oh six seven. On the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Big thank you to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Just got off the phone with him uh, talking about Auburn football, talking this entire quarterback battle, talking scrimmage notes, uh, talking week zero. He's excited for Vanderbilt. I am too. And I, Carter, you're giving us crap for it, man. We're excited for football. Let us be excited about football. Not everybody watches the Big Ten like you do, man. I mean, I watch the Big Ten as much as about anybody else, but it's Vanderbilt and it's Hawaii. Hawaii. It could like, be exciting. Clark <laughs> Lee's doing good things at Vanderbilt. I I believe it. Yeah, he's I believe on a it. rebuild. It's not. It's not going to be on like. 2027 is a good year to start paying attention to Vanderbilt. It's late night. It's late night football, man. We can watch Nebraska and and Northwestern take a five hour nap, get up, eat dinner, and then watch Vanderbilt and Hawaii. But just uh, again, a big thank you to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network hopping on the phone. Back in the first hour, we talked to Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central. So if you missed either one of those interviews or anything else from today's show, make sure you go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. You can find it commercial free. Uh, right after the show so make sure you go and find that again just search on the line wherever you get your podcast carter we've got about three minutes before we get out of here to be the drive with bill cameron and dan peck right here on espn 106.7 from four to six so make sure you stay tuned for that final take for today what you, you got anything i've got one i know i've got something what's your final well, take hey, i'll i'll let you lead off then. okay my final take is this i'm in the same boat as most Auburn fans right now when it comes to this quarterback battle, look, it's more than likely going to be T.J. Finley. Do we know that 100%? No. And leading up to this, I have been extremely confident that it was going to be Zach Calzada. But seeing what has happened in practice, from what we understand, yeah, it's going to be T.J. Finley. Could it be Zach Calzada? Absolutely. But if we're running on, on, the, on the track of... TJ Finley it will be your QB1 if that is the case. Again, I'm not saying it is, but I think that's what's happening here. If TJ Finley is named quarterback one, my confidence level is very, very low until I see improvement on the field in a game against a halfway decent opponent. That is my take is if TJ Finley is your starter for Auburn, my confidence level is low until he proves it on the field in the game against a quality opponent. That's my final take. I'm with you. I I am. I think that if TJ Finley is going to be the guy, 
every other position group on the offense, it needs to take a good step forward in order for him to be truly successful with with what I believe T.J. Finley to be as a quarterback. I think he's going to need help. The offensive line is going to have to give him more time than he got last year. The running game has to be stronger than it was last year. The receivers have to be significantly better than last year. Let's let's be real. The receiving core was not good last year. Your 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 best receiver, who's not on the team anymore, he had a horrible case of the drops. He I mean he was sixty percent chance at best that he was going to catch any ball that hit him in the hands. But you you have to everybody has to elevate their game in order for TJ Finley to to get better. Improvement on his side or not, and and I truly hope that he has elevated the, his level of play. If he does, and the other units do, then then I could see some some success. But I just have I have a hard time until I see all all of these units move forward as one. I have a hard time saying yes. I am confident in his ability to go out there and win games. To win the Penn State game, and then to win the Missouri game, and then like, it, I, honestly, he he has to prove it to me on a game by game basis, and I don't want to flash in the pan where he where he kills it in one game and then doesn't show it week in week out. I want consistency. I agree. I think with TJ, we all just need to see it. We have a bad taste in our mouth from last season and how last season ended and what we saw from TJ Finley on the field. We want him to be great because we want Auburn to be great. But until we see it, we're not going to believe it. That's it for the Monday edition of On the Line. Come back tomorrow. We'd love to hear from you. Stay safe. We'll talk to you later.